Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Susan Wiggs, a New York Times number one best-selling author who we can feel is one of us because her chosen home is here in the Puget Sound. Plus, Susan is responsible in supplying us with great reading and escapes, a couple of the things we value greatly here in the Northwest. Today, Susan Wiggs brings us her newest novel, The Lost and Found Bookshop, a wonderful read for this summertime and a perfect reminder to remember our friends, our local bookshops. Susan Wiggs, good morning. It is so great to have you back with us once again. It's such a pleasure to talk to you again, Kate. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always so wonderful, Susan, because your books are just to immerse ourselves in and and want to finish it, and but not want to finish it. You know, there's such a tug of war when you have such a great book in your hands and say, okay, I just want to live here maybe forever. You know, when you say that, um, it, it makes me think of my sister. Um, my, I, I have one sister, and she lives half a world away in the Northern Territory of Australia. And she tells me that after every book, she says, I, I have to force myself to take my time and savor every word. And she's just so dear to me. She's my number one fan, and um, I love hearing that. And, you know, I know what she says about savoring every word. This might go back to the days when I was an English teacher, you know, that I have to confess. But, you know, looking at the words and, and the way that you structure them and the and the sentences, sometimes it's easy to just say, ooh, that is just so delicious, just the way that you, you choose certain phrasing. And, and, you know, I wrote one of them down and it was uh, the eyes that seem bruised with pain and exhaustion. I mean, isn't that just so telling? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, there, there are there are many ways to describe desperation. I'd like to think there's as many ways to describe happiness and joy. But um, for some reason in our language, we have many more descriptors and, and metaphors for for tragedy and desperation. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe we should work on that. Yes, maybe we do need to just kind of get a, what, a spin on this so that we're going to focus more on the positive. But that's life, right? And that's part of what is in this wonderful new book, The Lost and Found Bookshop, is it really captures a slice of life for us. And it it really brings in so many different themes that I think all of us can relate to at least some of them and maybe even all of them. Well, thank you, Kate. I really appreciate you reading this book. It was definitely one that came to me organically through things that I've been thinking about, something that was happening in my life at the time. There's a there's a subplot or a, a storyline involving elder care. The main character, Natalie, finds herself in charge of her aging granddad and um, all the challenges that come with that. And that was something that was happening in my life, so I was very sensitive to that, and I really wanted to explore that. It's actually not verbatim anything that was going on in my life, but I wanted to explore the dynamics of, of what that's like for a family, for an individual, and for the elderly person, and he turns out to be like probably the most endearing character in the book. And then the other thing that I love um, writing about and exploring in my writing and for my readers is what do you do when life throws you the biggest curveball you've ever seen? Um, you have to pivot and change everything about your life. The main character 
was on the path she thought she was supposed to be on. You know, she had the corporate job and the salary and the 401k and the neat little apartment and the proper boyfriend and everything seemed to be exactly as planned. And, you know, this, you know, her life basically implodes on page one of the book. And so I really wanted to um, explore her journey if that's the start of it. And I think in this day and age, in this moment in time, so many of us are doing that. Nobody planned to, you know, have life come screeching to a halt in a pandemic. I mean, that sounds like something out of a book. Not one of my books, but somebody's <laughs> book. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I was, as I was writing this, I was exploring that. And it's kind of ironic that it comes out at, in this moment uh, when we're kind of all on that journey. Exactly. Uh, because we have perhaps in the past formulated what life should be looking like. But this we really find in this new book, The Lost and Found Bookshop, how, yes, something happens and it really gets us to rethinking it. And the pandemic is definitely, I think, making us all give more thought to what is our life supposed to be? What should it look like? I mean, it's definitely a new slate for sure. It is. And I was so um, I was so happy to be writing about somebody who wants to be an independent bookseller. And there's a big grassroots movement to patronize the independent booksellers at this moment, because when they had to close their shops and collect no revenue for two, three months, even longer, they were really struggling. And so, and I saw so much creativity in the bookselling community, people um, coming up with ways to deliver books and do curbside pickup and um, reach out to their patrons. I was really proud to be, you know, some way affiliated with this community. And I had a lot of affection for the bookstore called the Lost and Found Bookshop. And um, I sort of based it on some of my favorite books, bookshops that I've visited through the years, everything from a little hole in the wall in, um, you know, in downtown Seattle, all the way to, you know, my local indie to a big um, fancy indie tattered cover in Denver, I kind of brought together all my favorite things about a bookstore. And probably my most favorite was that engaging group of people who gather in the bookstores, the booksellers, the people who stock the shelves, the sales reps, the, the customers, the the book club people. I just loved working with that cast of characters. It was great fun for me, and I hope it will be for readers. Well, having had the privilege to get an advanced uh, reader's copy, uh, it's a thrilling book. As I say, I didn't want it to end, but yet, you know, also I wanted to know how this was all going to transpire. So it it is just a, a really engaging read. I can't imagine you know, your fans and new fans not loving it for sure. Well, thank you. I, I have one of the things that my publisher did, William Morrow Books, God love them. Uh, what, what they did for me and for this book is they produced a special advanced reading copy for booksellers and sent it, sent out the early, early edition to get some feedback from the booksellers. And it was so gratifying to hear back from them saying, you know, I enjoyed this this depiction of, you know, what 
day-to-day life at a bookshop is. And so I loved hearing back from them. And I think um, on my website and on my social media, SusanWiggs.com, and then, of course, Susan Wiggs on all the different social channels, we've been excerpting some of the feedback from booksellers. And that's been so joyful for me to go over because usually, uh, you know, once a book is published, it's out of my hands. It belongs to the readers and and the libraries and the booksellers. And so it's very gratifying to see it taking on a new life um, as a, a creative product that doesn't belong to me anymore. And, you know, all it's there's never a bad time for reading. But I think during this current time that we're living in, we're finding potentially more time for reading and exploring more genres that perhaps we hadn't before. And so that contributes to the need for more and more books because we just have an appetite for it. Oh, from your lips to God's ear. I hope so. Well, one little bit of publishing trivia that I heard from somebody in publishing is that book sales are really, really vibrant in certain categories. Um, And one of them is children's workbooks, uh, which is a, you know, shout out to everybody who's homeschooling now and a lot of nonfiction and a lot. um, It's really great to look at the bestseller list and see that everybody is reading um, books about racial sensitivity as well. So the content of book selling has shifted and I'm happy to say that commercial fiction, the kind that I write, is also kind of a big category at this time. And one reason is that my books are available in some of the stores that were allowed to stay open. You know, the essential stores like Target, Walmart, the ones that did not have to close. And so I've been really gratified by the readers who were buying my books still during the pandemic. Exactly. So the, they are available in those sources. And even the the small bookstores have an online presence. So as you were saying, these small bookshops are finding creative ways to still stay in business. And, you know, that is part of been your mission with this book and bringing that our attention to it. But also in my sharing with our listeners about the books that we talk about, you know, look for your local bookstore and, and engage with them. They They need us and we need them. Whether we realize it quite honestly right now or not, we need them. One thing that I did with independent bookstores is, my, well, my publisher, I, I did my part, but the publisher produced um, a limited number of signed copies that are available through independent bookstores, and they can be personalized if they're bought at one of uh, my locals, Eagle Harbor Books on Bainbridge Island, Liberty Bay Books in Paulsville, Washington, and Ballast Books in Bremerton. Those three um, we, we give special treatment to because I'm so local, I can pop in and if somebody needs a personalized signature in a book, I'm happy to do it. And so the signed copies are available at any indie bookstore and the personalized one at those three. How terrific. So there's a, a benefit to that if you live in those uh, vicinities and Actually, you know, as things are beginning to sort of open up, maybe, you know, we'll take a little day trip on a ferry over to the peninsula and uh, a bookshop can be one of our stops. 
You know, in the summertime, there are very few things that are as pleasant as a 40-minute ferry commute back and forth from downtown Seattle. People love it. It's, you know, the, the occupancy and the ferry schedule has had to change because of the pandemic, but we're still going. And I'm proud to say in my county, people really, really took the, the precautions seriously. There's a lot of, most people wear masks. Uh, every shop is sanitizing and, you know, bending over backwards to um, observe the best practices. And in my town, I think um, the whole time during the pandemic, there have been 13 cases of COVID and not anything recently. So hopefully we are, we are getting this under control. Yes, we are, are definitely hoping that that's the case. It certainly is lasting much longer than I ever thought this would back in March when, you know, we were told that, okay, you know, we may not be back to work again on Monday, but uh, here's, you know, here's the plan. And I thought, oh, well, if that happens, maybe a couple of weeks and here we are three months later. Yeah. Right. But for you, you you work from home. Of course, you do have your writers groups and that sort of thing. Did that alter for you? Yeah, not nearly as dramatically as somebody who goes to an office or a, a workplace day in and day out. I, I still work from home. I've been weirdly distracted by all of this. I, you know, I feel like I should be more productive and definitely curtailed my outside of the house activities like an in-person meetup with my writer's group. Um, I'm sure I would have had a trip planned to visit with my publisher and my literary agent in New York, but that didn't happen. And probably the biggest impact for me in terms of the shutdown is that I almost always try to travel to the setting of whatever book I happen to be writing. So when I was writing The Lost and Found Bookshop, I I did go to the Bay Area, San Francisco and Sonoma County, because I love those places and I love that I got to set a book there and I had planned when the book came out to do some book signings at independent bookstores in that area. And now they have to all be virtual, which is, it might be good because that means anyone can come. So on my website, under the events link, you can go to susanswigs.com and see the virtual events that I have planned. And anybody anywhere can um, attend those for free and, and have a book chat, but it's not the same. And so the book that I'm writing now takes place in um, Washington, D.C. area in Chesapeake Bay as well. And I had totally planned on, on making a pretty detailed research trip there just to absorb the atmosphere and, and make sure that, you know, I, I include the telling details about the setting. And now that all had to be virtual. So... I, you know, fingers crossed that I'm going to get it right, but I don't have the level of confidence that I did if I was able to go in person to the setting of the book. Right. Because it still may be a while and you're right and you're probably right in the middle of of all the work that you're doing in the yeah. writing. Right. Yeah. Well, the odometer just turned 80,000 words and the book will be done when at about 110,000 words. So. I'm hopefully on the home stretch of this draft, but one saving grace is that my personal editor at HarperCollins at William Morrow Books, which is an imprint of HarperCollins, 
happens to be from that area. And so as she's editing the book, she'll make sure that, you know, the, the setting and the details there sound authentic. So that really is a great gift to have that as part of the package. It definitely, you know, it's it. Writing a book is such an isolating and individual chore. It's you do it alone in a room or, you know, if people are running around in your house because of the pandemic with the headphones, then you put the headphones on and um, it's it feels like a very individual activity. But that's only the first draft. Once you have a story down on paper, then, you know, you submit it to the editor and it becomes kind of a team effort. She reads it, my literary agent read it, they kind of weigh in and react to the story with me. And then I have to go away again and do all the revisions and really polish it up. And that's, you know, and then the team kicks in to decide what this book is, how should it look? Um, I'll be curious to see what readers think of the cover of this book, The Lost and Found Bookshop, because the finished cover took many turns and iterations just to get to it. And so I'll be curious to see if it resonates with readers. And so the bookshop is is a fictional bookshop. It's a yeah. co- compilation of many different experiences of bookstores that you've it had. It definitely is. But I, I, I fell in love with, there's a building, I hope your local listeners will get to, um, Port Townsend, and there's a there's a creaky old Victorian building on their main street, um, Water Street, and it has an antiquarian bookstore in there. And that was kind of my inspiration for the actual building because it had an apartment up above it. And I thought, what what a place for a little kid to grow up in an apartment over a bookshop. It seems so charming. And and but what we know about older buildings is some of their charm is only skin deep. And inside there could be all kinds of things. And that was also part of the storyline is as the building is crumbling and they're having to repair it, they start finding artifacts and things in the walls and putting together this kind of crazy family history of things that happened in this one building in San Francisco. After the earthquake and fire of 1906, only about 25% of the buildings were still standing and the bookshop um, that I wrote about was one of them. And so there were definitely secrets um, to be found in the walls. And and they keep being found in a totally reasonable and logical fashion. And and it's just fun to, to, to live through that, to experience uh, the treasures coming forward and, and how the family deals with them. It, yes, it's so intriguing. It's so fun. Well, thank you. Well, one of the one of the things that they find, and this isn't really a spoiler, they find some old uh, war medals from the Spanish-American War of 1899, and um, they and it came from something that I read as I was researching the background of this book. The war in the Philippines, um, the, the soldiers that went to war in the Philippines left from San San Francisco. And many of these men didn't have a home or anywhere to leave their valuables. And so they would leave them in the walls sometimes of their favorite saloon, like behind a brick or something like that. And so they started finding in the Lost and Found bookshop, they started finding some of these artifacts and seeing who they belonged to. And it turns out to be a very 
um, healing quest for Natalie because she's dealing with some really, really tragic issues in her life. And so to have a project like that, that, that where one discovery leads to another was a really cool kind of healing thing for her. And relationships, of course, are are always a, a, a major factor uh, in stories. And here, uh, it, we talked a bit about uh, uh, the main character, Natalie, and taking care of her grandfather who's aging. So that's a wonderful relationship. But then we have her as uh, this young woman who has this tension of not having had a successful romantic relationship, long-term relationship, and going through all of that with her, again, is so real, and I think so many of us can relate to that. Oh, I'm happy to hear you say that. I I hope so, yes, because one of the things that we learn as we move through life is that things don't happen one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we have a perfect storm. Sometimes we have a pandemic and a racial meltdown at the same time, you know, and it's just, we have to find a way to move through this in the most positive and graceful way that we can find. And so I think that's part of Natalie's journey in the book as well. Yeah. And so we get to experience that with her and, and feel that angst and the questioning. So definitely relatable added into that, not for her, but, you know, the other characters, single parenthood, well, she's the product of uh, of being a, a child raised by her mother, and, you know, and that was actually kind of a string of the same thing going on in her family for several generations. Yes, that's right, and um, those are tropes that I'm very involved in just um, just because I hear so much from my readers. They love to read about non-traditional families, either because they belong to one or they're curious about one. And so I love the concept that your family is the, the group of loving folks that you make it. And so, and I also believe in a really vibrant small business, like a, a bookstore, that there's a familial atmosphere there. And I did hear back from some of the booksellers that read the early copy that they really enjoyed the, you know, the, the help at the bookstore as well and the, the book club customers that came in. Yes, because that is a family of its own. People get to just know each other so well. There, There's familiarity and uh, the repeat customers who come in now that bookstores have expanded to having a little coffee area and, and the, you know, specialize in certain kinds of pastries because it fits the bookstore. All of that is just that the ambiance is just so delightful. Yeah, that's the one. I really wanted to depict it as a community center, not just a place that you walk in and grab a book and walk out, but a place where people would linger and visit. And so I wanted that to come into play. And that's how the very handsome children's book author, um, Trevor Dashwood, (laughs) which we later find out as a pen name. But anyway, that's how he kind of came into being. And um, I... I base some of the authors that are 
in the book on, you know, just personal experience and people I've known. And one of the nice pleasures of writing this book is all the books that Natalie recommends to her customers are books that I've known and loved by people that I've known and loved for the most part. Every once in a while, I made one up just to throw in there. So if readers say, oh, how can I read this thriller you were talking about? I'll say, well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're going to have to wait for somebody to write it. Yeah. Or, a lot of them are my, you know, some of my favorite writers around, you know, and, and so I, it was fun to drop their names into this book and hopefully readers will check out their books as well. Yes. You know, it's especially, it, it, you know, we learn so much too, even though it's a work of fiction, there's so much that is, is uh, historic is real and you know thinking about the authors who were uh san francisco based the early writers uh you know that was really fascinating yeah it was a literary hub even back then and then the detail about um william randolph hearst um as a very young man um that was where he was after he got kicked out of harvard for pulling a prank because dad yanked him back home and gave him a paper the San Francisco paper, and that was actually his first newspaper that he was in charge of. And so some of the details are of that are accurate. And then um, the big, I, I can't spoil the ending, but the big detail is totally made up, but I think it totally works. <laughs> I thought it was real. Okay, <laughs> you tell- <laughs> okay, okay, well then, I, I did my job. It's always, you know, there's something they say in, in fiction that's... Um, that's uh, like, what do they call it? Suspension of disbelief. Ah, yes. Okay. But sometimes when it's so plausible, you know, as things unroll, I guess if someone went and wanted to research it, there are people who um, are type A kind of personalities who might do that. But the way it it fit the book, right? It just made sense. And it's a work of fiction. So you, you are totally legitimate in, in doing that. Well, that's the fun of fiction. We can make things work out the way they need to work out. Um, I think real life is a lot messier. <laughs> it tends to be. But here, too, um, you know, there's a lot of wisdom, you know, the way that Natalie's mother would speak to her and help to, you know, look at her life and how her friends talk to her. You know, you get those words of wisdom in a work of fiction. So, you know, there's great value here besides the entertainment value. Well, thank you. I I love fiction for that very reason. Probably some of my greatest life lessons were learned um, reading a novel. And so I'm proud to be, you know, a member of that tribe. And the characters kind of take on a life of their own. And so when there's a nugget that kind of comes out of a character's mouth, a lot of times I'm surprised by it as well. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, I bet, as a, as a writer, as an author, that just has to be so rewarding, the, this great gift. Yes, it really is. And um, I'm going to miss meeting readers in person. And so I do hope that they will um, log on to one of my events just to say hi. And uh, these booksellers and libraries that are setting them up seem to have really dialed into what makes a really fun, entertaining event. And there's giveaways and there's, you know, tell-all moments. So hopefully we will make it fun for anybody who cares to join us. 
Right. And maybe it it's an opportunity for people who might not have had an, uh, an opportunity to get to events. This makes it maybe a little easier because of just being able to time it, save on time, you know, all that kind of efficiency. Yeah, I agree. I, I grew up in a really small town when I was little, a little bitty town in upstate New York. And um, I, if I had had the opportunity to virtually visit, you know, one of my favorite authors in a bookstore, you know, remotely, I would have been all over that. So maybe it will be an opportunity for people who don't have a local bookstore who or who aren't on the book tour circuit for whatever reason. Exactly. Well, the book comes out this week, which is so exciting. So make sure to get online and order from your favorite local bookstore, and they'll be able to mail it right to you. Right, Susan? It's the Lost and Found Bookshop. Yeah. <laughs> kind of an ironic title now. It Yes, yes, it is. It's all, you know, just uh, 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 the way it all ties in together is quite intriguing. Let's mention your website one more time. Okay, SusanWiggs.com, two G's and Wigs. And from there, it's a directory of anything you need to know about me or my books. Please join me. And I really, really get my energy from feedback from readers. So don't hesitate. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I actually have readers who sometimes correct me on books. And um, I talked about that on my blog um, not too long ago. I love the exchange and I love being able to reach out to readers. So there we have it, an invitation. Well, Susan Wiggs, it's such a pleasure, as always, to have you with us. Uh, What a delightful time this has been. And let's all look forward to my taking another look at the Lost and Found Bookshop. But the rest of you, just be sure to get your copy. So once again, Susan, thank you greatly. Oh, thank you, Kate. It wouldn't be a book publication without a conversation with you. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Susan Wiggs and Sunday Morning Magazine with Cynthia Fisher, founder of PatientRightsAdvocate.org. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage and click on the podcast tab Then Sunday mornings and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of really getting in touch with the things that truly matter in our life. Have a week of the same and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.